Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. The answers are there, and if we give ourselves the time, the opportunity to go inward, we will see that there's there's so much more there than like a, any outward like specialist or formula can provide externally because our journeys are unique and so our solutions will be unique. Hello and welcome back to the Woken Wired podcast. I am your host, Xenia. I am back in Brooklyn after being in the Bahamas for a long weekend, volunteering on the Glow Good Foundation's mission with Lenny Kravitz, like it's no big deal. I will be sharing everything about the trip and how it manifested and what kind of things we did there and all the questions that you guys have been asking me on Instagram over on YouTube. So go find me on YouTube by searching Ksenia, K-S-E-N-I-A, Breakfast Criminals, if you want a glimpse into the trip in the coming weeks. If you haven't yet checked out episode number 39 from last week with Topaz Adizis, definitely add that to your queue because there is just so much wisdom in our conversation. We explore human emotions in the digital age and how our connectivity on social media is impacting our relationships with each other and how all of that plays into creativity and art and making money and business. And then I'm also looking at best of the podcast. You know how on the podcasts app, it always shows you two episodes that are considered best of the podcast. And according to that, my solo episodes, number 39, Be Your Own Mentor, Intuitive Business Thoughts, and number 40 that just came out, Stuck on Social Media, Here's How to Find Alignment, they are in the best. So I don't know what exactly that means or how the algorithm works, but I'm assuming that you guys are enjoying those short solo episodes where I address specific challenges and questions that I find myself going through and that I also get on social media. Before we dive into this week's conversation, one more announcement, which you may already know from the two previous episodes. I am starting to do a giveaway of 30-minute sessions with me every single month. You can enter this challenge by simply leaving a rating and a review to Woken Wired Podcast and then sending me a screenshot over to podcast at wokenwired.com. And every month, I will be randomly selecting one person to give a 30-minute session to I have very limited one-on-one sessions available as of right now. So where you could get 30 minutes with me where you can literally ask me anything about business, about social media, about developing products, marketing, getting press, anything. I'm excited about selecting my first winner in February. So get in on it if this sounds enticing. And one more thing before we get into speaking with Trent. I am just so freaking grateful for every single one of you who's been sharing the podcast on stories, sending me DMs, sending me emails, and I'm also super grateful to Wanderlust, as in the festival brand, for featuring me as one of their 35 under 35 people to watch in wellness and mentioning the podcast over there. My guest this week is Trent Rhodes, a gentleman that I met in cacao ceremony at the assemblage, which is my co-working space. And Trent has a very, very special presence. And in this episode, not only you get to listen in the conversation we had, but you also get to do an exercise that we share that Trent guided me through. So if you are listening to this while driving, just, you know, be careful, maybe take a little pause and do the exercise later or just listen through it the first time and the second time really allow yourselves to dive deep into it because let me tell you, it is powerful. Trent is a career development consultant, literally artist and metaphysician, and he is on a mission to empower people to become their highest self-image in personal and professional life. 
He is experienced in the Gestalt style coaching methodology, and he blends the powers of the subconscious mind, which he calls inner technology, with modalities like Reiki, meditation, martial arts principles, and the power of words. Trent is also very much into the path of divine masculinity, and he serves as a private mentor. Trent has a bachelor's degree in marketing and a master's in management, and he is one of those very interesting people who both has a daytime job and at the same time a consulting business. And one of the things we explore is exactly that, is how to balance the two especially when you are a creative and spiritually inclined person. We talk about emotional mastery, developing self-confidence and self-worth as an entrepreneur, how to use visualization and breath work to be a more confident and risk-taking entrepreneur. We also talk about cacao, of course, about having a writing practice and what how powerfully beneficial that can be to anyone, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, and so many more things. So I really hope you enjoy this week's episode. I can't wait to see your takeaways. When you post, please tag at Woken Wired on Instagram and also at Mr. Caliber, C-A-L-I-B-E-R. That's trends handle, or at least one of them. And to connect with Trent, you can visit IamTrentRoadsRHODS.com or just go over to WokenWire.com and find all the show notes there with all the links, information, and quotes that you may want to grab from this episode. All right, here's Trent Rhodes. All right, Trent, I am excited to be connected with you outside of the cacao ceremony room, which is the only place we've connected at so far. And a couple of times before the cacao ceremony and after, you would say something or just through your presence, you would convey different messages. And I would always be fascinated. Who is this guy? I need to know more about what it is that you do. And as soon as you told me using words, a little bit about what you do. I was like, okay, we're bringing him onto the podcast. So I'm excited to have you on Woken Wired. Yes, I appreciate being here, being able to contribute. Absolutely. So can you please explain what it is that you actually do on a day-to-day basis? Sure. Well, it's uh, multifaceted. So I have full-time work as a career counselor. Um, I work for a tech organization downtown. In that capacity, I help graduates and students essentially find work, but then also there's a career internal development focus where they learn how to communicate their skills and develop the confidence to project themselves professionally in the world. And this was an extension of a personal practice of mine where I was taken on a professional development journey going back just a a few years to my my very first job, which was in uh, Jersey City. I started off at the University of Phoenix, which was an educational institution. So I always had this interest in this blend of business and organizational life and education. So I started there and I held multiple roles and I started noticing something that was an indicator to me as to where I would be taking this. And that was this challenge with transmitting the knowledge into practice. The organization as a whole has great technology and great resources. The students and graduates, they were very much spoiled during my time, I would say, being there with with the amount of access to, to knowledge that they had. However, there was this challenge between having so much information available in terms of their career and subject matter and being able to go out into the world and actualize that that knowledge. And so there, the position was vacant. There wasn't a role present at the time. And so I experienced a number of departmental changes. So I shifted from admissions to student services and facilities. So it was beneficial because I was able to experience the, the student base from, from different angles. And it was reinforcing this idea that there was something missing in between the, the transmission process between knowledge and practicality. So I, I wrote up a job description and I gave it to my manager at the time. And it sat for a couple of weeks. Nothing happened. And then uh, there were some leadership changes. New managers came in and I suspect that they they picked up where 
that was left off. And they informed me that a new position was being posted. And it turned out to be a, a variant of what I provided. So I went through the formal interview process. There were other competitors. But ultimately, I did end up securing the role. And that was where I was able to really apply what I was recognizing as sort of a, a liaison to the graduates and the, the students and helping them think about their life path in terms of professionalism, but then also how do you become conscious through this information and how do you actualize and practically use this large breadth of, of knowledge uh, gained in college. So it led me to create certain books and pieces of writing. And, and I found that, it's interesting you mentioned writing, I found that this was a skill that I was utilizing the whole time and uh, didn't really see it as a vehicle until after working there. But it was, it was growing. I was, I was always writing my thoughts, poems, and short stories. And at the same time, I had a particular personal study in the metaphysics in college, I majored in marketing, but at the, at the same time, I was studying these other facets of mystical psychology and uh, health. This is getting really interesting. I'm making notes because I want to dive into all of that onto the marketing side and what mysticism has to do with it. But before we get into that, just so that to get everyone listening on the same page, first of all, I didn't even know you had a full-time job. You have so many <laughs> projects already that I did know of that I didn't even imagine that there could be space for that. So we'll get to that as well as to how you manage to give time and energy to all these projects sure. and stay stay focused and fulfilled and clear. But before we get there, can you give us an idea? What, what's the bigger conversation really of the work that you're doing with the students that can apply to entrepreneurs and people working in wellness and healers and anyone who's really on the path of business entrepreneurship from a more conscious and present standpoint? Yes, I would say it's definitely self-image, self-perception, and how those thought patterns influence the, the body, the mind, and then also how, how those influence how we manifest in the world. The self-image in this lingo would be the collective understanding or collective perception of ourselves. And so that would include how we feel, you know, what we're thinking on a daily basis, how we look, the colors, how we walk, how we talk. So if we take all of those pieces of us and we put that into a whole, that would form this self-image. And the quality and the strength of that self-image then determines how we actually project outward into the world and by that effect how that we then receive the result or the feedback from the world based on that self-image and how we share that with others in our environment. So are you saying that the trend that I know of, the still and confident and present guy, is a result of calculated self-image creation? Yes, I love how you mentioned calculated as well. Yes, it, it to me, there's, it is a very precise process. And this goes back into briefly mentioning the, the, the mystical side of things. And that this practice isn't, it's not random. It is not a guessing game. And for me, it has become something that has become scientific in the sense of understanding how my thoughts work and how those thoughts actually influence my physiology to the effect of then being able to choose certain thoughts to integrate and then become habitual over time. So yes, absolutely. The outward presentation would be a result of the, the internal self-image. What's interesting about this as well is that when we hear the, the fake it until you make it, it's still applying that science. It's still applying that image because in order for someone to, to fake it, they have to have what that concept is in their mind and it will show up externally. So even in the sense of it, quote unquote, being fake, it really isn't for an individual who's doing it in the moment. They are applying the same science. The main difference is that it's not consistent yet. And so that's, that's where the brunt of my work is in, is in helping to fortify internally so that self-image remains a constant you know, throughout daily life. 
So just to break this down, can you give me a very specific example of whether step-by-step how someone would work with this? Let's take, for example, someone who wants to be a more confident, self-expressed entrepreneur, which is probably everyone listening to this podcast, I would assume. Definitely me. But what are the different steps? Does it involve looking at your shadow and limiting beliefs? Or is it more through affirmations and creating and focusing on who you want to be? What is the process there? Mm -hmm. There are multiple ways to go about it, but there are core mechanisms. And because we are, as human beings, we we all have access to these, these mechanisms. The first is imagination. Imagination is that capacity we have to create an image, to see something that's not physically here. And so if we apply the well-known as above, so below, as within, so without, what that means is that things that happen out here start up there or in there. And in this sense, the self-image starts before it comes out. It starts in the imagination. So we work with imagery. And that could be as simple as sitting in a place that's you know comfortable or quiet and closing the eyes and allowing oneself to begin to design what that image space looks like. So that's like visualization. Is that what you're talking about? It is visualization. If left alone, it remains as visualization. Hmm. And so we then have to add additional mechanisms to it to begin to integrate this into the system. And so the next stage is we do need a particular breathing method or pattern or practice there are many of them, but we want to be able to enter the trance state. The trance state is when we see the word transformation, we see that the word trance is in transformation. So it's indicating that for any real change to take place, we have to be able to access this trance, trans, quote unquote, transformational state. So we need to enter trance. And what trance does, it takes us out of the conscious awareness, which means external. So we're not looking outside. And now we begin to focus on the inside. So we are less distracted by what's happening outward. And is this something people can do at home on their own after listening to this podcast? Or do you need to have a certain amount of preparation and training? Nope. We undergo trance multiple times a day. It happens when we watch the television, the movies, if we listen to something that has repetitive beats. There are multiple ways that we can access trance. One that is very useful is being able to breathe from the lower abdomen. And it's important to emphasize the lower abdomen because the the chest, it doesn't allow us to maximize the air. In the air is the, the life force or life energy. And so we need to breathe from the lower abdomen and we can use that same kind of rhythm technology. And the, the listener can use three seconds, can use four seconds, but we want to be able to time this. So as we have the eyes closed, We are focusing on the breathing pattern. We can breathe inward for three seconds, and then we can pause for three seconds. So that is sustaining the breath or holding the breath. And then we can exhale for three seconds, and then we can repeat that cycle. What that begins to do is we then begin to access the the vagus nerve, which is positioned down there in that lower abdomen space. And that nerve runs up the front and up the back, and where it begins to give us more access is when it is activated at the frontal lobes. And that's our space of of wisdom and insight. So this breathing pattern begins to sort of like press on that dial. And the more we do it, the deeper we go into this trance state. Okay, hold on. So since we're actually breaking this down and doing this for real, and people are doing this at home, let's rewind back for to the imagination stage, just so that we have a clear understanding of what that looks like. Would you walk me through what exactly, if there are any prompts or where people can start doing this? Yes. Let's look at, let's take the entrepreneur, for example, and let's, let's stay on that track. So the, the successful or confident entrepreneur, for the exercise, it can be helpful to write this down. So this can almost look like a script, and it doesn't have to be super detailed, but it helps to be as detailed as you can because you are forming the mind space. You are using really energy particles because the mind is not empty right? The mind, the imagination is using energy to create the image. And so the more details you have, the more space or the, the more energy space you're using to put together this, this concept of self. So you can write this down. And what you would 
place on the paper is your final vision, your vision of what that confident you looks like. What I would recommend is to not look at anything comparatively. Um, Don't look at other entrepreneurs. Try to stay away from things that will make you see yourself less or find you find yourself comparing. What we want is an original version of what that you looks like. And so you can design it as the confident you could be sitting in a meeting or giving a presentation and that presentation is going well. And how do you know it's going well? Maybe you can receive an ovation. Maybe you can see your audience smiling. They're engaged. You can see your posture. You can hear yourself, hear how you're speaking, speaking confidently and direct and you're hitting your points right. You can imagine your slides. So really create this image of what that looks like for you. So perhaps it could involve thinking of a situation where you're feeling stuck or you're feeling like not the best version of yourself, whether it's scrolling on Instagram and finding yourself comparing to someone or being nervous about giving a public talk or leading a workshop or perhaps even sitting in front of your email inbox and awaiting to get the deal you've been waiting for and imagining those scenarios going really well and you feeling as a result of that really confident and present and centered. Would that be a good example? Yes. There are typically three steps to the the process. What you've described is part of recognizing what the challenge is. And in that stage, applying the same principle of writing down, you would outline or envision what that what the challenge feels like. The reason why that also is important is because we're affecting behavioral change. And so we need to establish what the trigger is. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad, glad you mentioned that part. In this, this final version of the bold or the confident entrepreneur, once that is done, you then can create this, this other element that you described, which is the, the challenge. Mm-hmm. And then there is a, the next stage is overcoming the challenge. And so you then envision your scenario where you show what it looks like when you are overcoming it, right? What is, how do you feel? What are you doing? Who are the people involved? A lot of the details of what is, what is required of you to actually overcome the challenge. Mm-hmm. And then we have that final version, which is the vision of the confident you or the confident entrepreneur. And that also can include the success. So the success has been achieved. And now what does it feel like to receive the fruits or the the benefits of that overcoming? Got it. Okay. And the next step then is the trance. Are we there? This is all done actually while in the trance. And so while while we are writing it down first, we are pre-prepping the mind to go into these visualizations. And so once you have this down on paper, you know, you would review it and, you know, make sure you, you know what kind of visions you're going to be undergoing. And then you begin your breathing practice, enter your trance state, and then you run these scenarios in the mind. And can you walk us through one or two rounds of the breath to make sure that we're all getting it right? Yeah, no problem. Get us into a trance, trance, hypnotize us. <laughs> okay. So if, if uh, you have a comfortable seat, you can either be lying down or sitting comfortably and close the eyes. And the important part right now is just to do a quick scan. So scan your, your body. And by scan, I just mean, just give some awareness, right? Just focus. Go from your shoulders, down your arms, and then down to the legs. Scan the feet. And then go back up. Give some attention to the neck. And the head. And now as we scan again, I want you to give attention to any space that is feeling tense. And you will know if there's tension, if there's tightness, if there's restriction. If any spot on you is feeling forced, this is an equivalent of tension. And with that is restricted blood flow. With restricted blood flow comes with restricted energy flow. And so when you find a space 
that is tense, just send some intention to it. It's quietly directed to relax. And so now I'd like you to place your tongue on the roof of the mouth, right underneath the top set of the teeth. Rest gently on the gums. And I want you to just look upward with your eyes closed, but focus your eyes upward. And so what we're doing is we're accessing and activating the frontal lobe, the tongue placed up on the roof helps to open up that circuit that flows from the top of the head down to the sacral chakra. And now we'll begin to, to breathe. And so what we'll do so we'll take one deep breath from the lower abdomen and we'll just fill the belly as much as you can. And when called to, just let your breath go out from the mouth. And we'll breathe in one more time. Real deep breath, fill the belly as much as possible and then just allow it to deflate Exhale through the mouth. Now with the mouth closed, we will inhale through the nose and exhale through the nose in this breathing pattern. I will use a count of four. And so we will breathe in from the lower abdomen, the count of four seconds, and then we will pause for four seconds, suspend the breath, and then we will exhale for four seconds. On my count, breathe in. One, two, three, four, pause. One, two, three, four, exhale. One, two, three, four. Inhale, one, two, three, four, pause, one, two, three, four, exhale, one, two, three, four. Inhale, one, two, three, four, pause, one, two, three, four, exhale, one, two, three, four. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Pause, one, two, three, four. Exhale, one, two, three, and four. Allow yourself to breathe naturally, but still through the lower abdomen. It is in this state, you will know that you are in a trance state when you do not remember what your external environment looks like. You've forgotten the details, but you're still aware at the same time. Your body is fully relaxed. And in this space, your subconscious mind is more susceptible to receiving information or programs, or in other language, they're called suggestions. But this is the, the space where we can effect transformational change for for ourselves can i come out of the trance now
Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> so what exactly? I know I was thinking about how how do I not go too deep in this uh, so that I can keep conducting the interview. But what everyone doing this at home safely while you're not driving, what should they be keep running the scenario through? Or should it be something more specific that encapsulates that? Mm -hmm. Depending on what the goal is, let's say if we wanted to stick with that same that same goal of becoming more confident in a confident presenter, you know, as an entrepreneur, you would run that same scenario on a frequent basis, and you then will begin to pay attention to your responses in the in the work environment. So now, the proof will begin to show up as you then do more presentations as you are tested and you will see that your responses tend to be different because now you're what you've been working on internally and through the imagination and the breathing begins to start manifesting outwardly you will also know evidence of this change when it doesn't feel forced and your reactions become spontaneous so you kind of have to be like an observer, you're a scientist in a way, and kind of watch your, your own thought patterns, watch your emotions, and watch how you interact with the environment to, to know that it's starting to work. Um, and typically that, that does occur. Can you give me some examples of how you have personally used that in your own life and career? Sure. Yeah. Presentations actually is a good, a good space. In undergrad, I was not a fan of doing presentations. I utilize this in a very crude form where I would write out my scenarios and I would use the the breathing and imagination, but I didn't go full throttle into the the, the various three steps. I kind of just envisioned myself performing these amazing projects and, and having these uh, great speeches and also using the writing. So I would write myself in story form and have that occur. But over time, that in combination with having to do more presentations, I would throw myself into environments where I had to speak more and in front of larger audiences. The combination of that practice along with the, the visualizations and the, the breath work turned out pretty well, I would say. In, and it's interesting you mentioned this too. During, during that work, I was still writing. So writing was under the cuff of, of all of this practice. There was a point in time where I would say between freshman year and sophomore year in undergrad, I was writing a lot, but something occurred where I did I can't pinpoint the exact day when this occurred, but something happened where I was able to increase my output dramatically. I mean, I would be writing like hundreds of, of pages of stuff, just letters and all kinds of communications. And that rapidity and the intensity of the writing and the precision of the communication, I suspect, was a result of this kind of practice very early on, dealing specifically with writing. But um, in terms of presentations, I used this method in a, a very crude form. As time went on, I learned the, the specifics um, as I began to delve more into the metaphysics and the, the laws of how this stuff works. I then began to refine the, the practices. What are the laws of how this stuff works? Well, these, let's see, one way I can describe this is that so our, if our, our planet operates in particular ways through certain laws and the animals operate in you know, within certain laws, then it would make sense that the human has certain laws that, that we would be operating by. And by understanding how the laws work and being able to live accordingly or in quote-unquote harmony with the nature, we are able to maximize certain talents and, and abilities that we have. So in, the, in this case, one of them is recognizing that everything is mind. What that means is what we're experiencing outward is a projection and coloring of how we think. And how we experience the world is an effect of how we think because the thoughts create chemicals in the brain that then flow through the body. And we utilize those chemicals to then begin to project and live in the world. Right. And how does that fit into the law of attraction? Are those similar things that we're talking about? Yes, these the law of attraction. It's interesting. I, I was, I've not seen the actual secret movie. What? But I know of the law. What I have seen of some of the the clips in the in the film, I like that it was 
done in a way where you can see the visualizations and and it sort of it sort of created an archetype for how people can can grasp this but what i found that what i find to be a bit missing there is that there there's a necessity of an interface and so the law of attraction is one of these these metaphysical laws and what all it means is we begin to vibrate or attract those things that we tend to think about and that is because our thinking the thought itself is a vibration. And so let's say if we are on vibration two, let's pick out a number, right? We're thinking of vibration two. If I think about vibration two long enough, I begin to resonate on this frequency of vibration two. My whole body starts emitting vibration two. I'm saying two to the world. And so I can only then really engage with, in another way of saying attract, but engage with those things optimally that are on vibration two. Things that are on vibration three, I will not be able to very much perceive. I will ignore. In vibration one, I may be able to perceive it because I am on a, a higher vibration. So I can I can sort of perceive one. But anything beyond two would become very difficult for me because the frequency or the channel that I am on, and another way of saying this is the way that I perceive things, blocks me from recognizing other things outside of that purview. Right. So an entrepreneur, for example, let's say that there is there's a problem with a particular employee, right? There's a, a particular employee who is creating chaos in some way, you know, they're not being very productive. However, as an entrepreneur, you still see an opportunity to to help this person grow. You really want to see this person develop. There's being very difficult. Solutions that are on the vibration of two may not work. This individual is on vibration two. The way to find the solution is to step outside of that vibration and be able to access other creative solutions. And that requires being able to shift perspective or perception to bring in a newer idea to introduce into this frequency. Because so long as that individual stays on two, the trajectory they're on they're not going to make it. Another way of saying that is we have to step outside the box. And how do we do that? Is that emotional <laughs> mastery that you talk about in your bio? Yes. Stepping outside of the box is what it requires is being able to go inward. So all of these these ways of, of saying, you know, be more creative, solve problems, self-mastery all come from internal access because the answers, the knowledge, or the solutions sprout from inward out rather than outward in. So the the more proficient we can become in just this process, for example, that we went through with the trance and, and going to visualizations, all of that is information that we can actually access for ourselves to to find solutions. The more proficient we become at that process, the more efficient we become in our daily lives to, you know, to to create solutions for for things that are happening in practical ways. To simplify what you're saying, what I'm hearing is Basically, go and meditate if you want to be a better at finding solutions, be more successful, and be more confident. Is that right? Yes, it, it ties just into know thyself. It, it all comes into that. And what does metaphysics and marketing have to do with all of that? Well, I found marketing to be wonderful in, the, in how it focuses on messaging. Messaging in multiple forms. We have communications. You know, we have different types of advertising, ways of sharing messages. So marketing to me is one of the the ultimate metaphysical spaces uh, because it deals primarily with the mind and understanding customers, understanding users. When we create something to share with others, we have to understand what that message is. We also have to understand how to reach someone. There are numerous case studies to, to show how psychologists and, and neuroscientists are pulled into the, this marketing space to to deliver imagery that reaches people's subconscious mind using these these kinds of laws. So I found that marketing was very interesting to learn about because this is more of the business side of using the, the subconscious mind. Right. And to take it a step further, everyone listening to this who's been with me for a while knows that I'm a big believer that the subtle energy that we put into our messages on social media are very much perceivable by the person on the other side of the screen getting them. And it's like you said, it's like those radio waves. When people are plugged into the same or similar wavelength, 
there's more of an access to receiving certain kinds of information. And when you're in a different wavelength, you're less likely to perceive it. But that field of consciousness, that field of information and knowledge is always there. And with social media, we have more access to it than ever before. And we actually have the capacity to consciously choose which vibration we want to plug into. And I think social media is is like uh, this massive universal computer that anyone can be a hacker in because there's so much access and anyone anywhere can create anything and be part of an accessed world that wouldn't otherwise be accessible to them without the internet and social media. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yes, I think it it puts us in a position of uh, playing some offense Whereas we're not, we don't have to be subject to Im- impressions. We can cultivate our our own impressions, and this this leads into why I'm very big on creating portfolios. I show my graduates as well as clients how to do this so that they can position themselves and really define what their their vibration or reputation is when they are talking with people or engaging people. So they're, they're not subject to having that created for them. And that usually involves having some type of home online, uh, whether it's a personal website or a blog or LinkedIn page. And in that space, they are able to then start defining who they are and create that vibration for themselves. I am so with you on that. You know, one of the things I do is I empower people to have a more authentic and aligned image online. And the way that I have done this personally for myself and for people I work with is using social media to craft those, like you said, homes that really hold the container representing what they're capable of and what they want to be contacted for. And the truth is, anytime you meet someone, the first thing you do after they leave is you probably look them up on Instagram. So we all have the <laughs> opportunity to to carefully and thoughtfully put things out there that we want to be known for, that we want to attract more opportunities in the fields of. And I think a lot of people are still in denial about that. But if you're listening to this, I'm sure that that portal has already been open and you're on track of actually optimizing and aligning that image even further because it's powerful. You know, anyone I've talked to in the space of entrepreneurship and personal development, whenever they're hiring, the first thing they do is not go to their LinkedIn, not go to their website. They go to their Instagram to get, like you said, that vibration that those people really have beyond their portfolio. What's What are they actually into in their lives and and who are they and what images do they choose and what did they put in your bio all of these little sometimes unconscious decisions actually are crafting an image of us both to the outer world and looping all the way back to the beginning of our conversation creating a self-image and i think social media and the way we curate that can very much be part of creating that self-image that's going to empower and propel yourself from the inside to take the path that you want to take. This is why, yeah, this, the self-image is is critical because it influences how that reputation is designed digitally. And so if I find someone has a challenge with either owning their talent or owning their ability or owning how much they want to charge someone, it tends to stem from this self-image. It is more so of the self-image that they have crafted or someone has crafted for them than not having crafted one at all. And so it, it does take some time and, and effort to work on this, this internal design so that everything else that they create outwardly begins to reflect it. I also find that it's it can be challenging if that self-image hasn't been thoroughly created and being put in a position where they have to then speak about what it is that they do or their value or how they contribute or you know something good rather than focusing on a ton of the things that they may not be so good at, which I, I find to be hugely, hugely diverse in, in ratio. Folks will have 
many, many, many spaces to discuss that they're not good at and you know they feel bad about and they're not doing so well at. But when I change the conversation to tell me about your strengths, you know, and, and tell me about some things that you feel, you know, proud of, there seems to be a deficit there. And whereas they may not be an actual deficit because they, they likely have done great things, it's the self-image that is preventing them from being able to to recognize it. So I think it, it it's constantly going back to this as above, so below, as within, so without principle that, uh, you know, in order for us to be much more potent out in the world, um, we become potent, powerful inside. And I think that goes back to vibration as well, because anytime we're talking about our strengths and our experiences through the prism of what we don't know so well, then our vibration just tanks. And when we choose to talk about something that brings us joy and that excites us, that's when we become magnetic, we become powerful manifestors, and people tend to trust us more because we are trusting ourselves more in that state. There's a wonderful book if readers are interested in checking that out. I came across this several years ago. It's Richard Dawkins' Power Versus Force. His book is valuable in showing how the muscle testing can be shown in this kind of example. You know, speaking in a certain way, speaking of our weaknesses in a sense that we we feel ashamed of them and or if we speak an untruth or a lie, our body begins to respond in a weaker state. So he's shown multiple studies where muscle testing has been proven to illustrate we speak strong, we speak confident, or we speak a truth. Our projection out into the world is actually much stronger on, on a physiological level that occurs. That's fascinating. I'm going to link this in the show notes, guys, if you want to check out that book on WokenWired.com. I definitely will be taking a look at that. Trent, back to what you said a few minutes ago about how the challenge that you see is that people don't take the time to thoroughly create that self-image that empowers them. Do you have any advice on some practices perhaps people can do on top of the exercise you've already shared to get more clear on creating that image with power? Yes, one is to uh, begin to assess oneself. And so I'd, I'd use this method in college. I went to uh, several uh, personality uh, assessment sites and you know I just took these quizzes to really get a sense of if I didn't have the language to describe myself, these assessments can provide some kind of inquiry you know where I can begin investigating. So one is the the disk assessment DISC in all capital letters. Another is the Myers-Briggs assessment. Mm-hmm. Another is the Enneagram, the human design. And human design, yeah. So if the re- listeners are familiar with that space, you know, in Gene Keys, human design, a lot of these these archetype-based assessments, I would begin to take those and not take them literally word for word, but the important part is to recognize the trends and patterns. What are you seeing repeatedly show up in the results of these tests and begin to reflect in your own experience? Hey, am I, do I tend to, you know, talk more then and, and and I get more energy when I'm speaking in public. Maybe that's that's something that's that's true. Maybe I do recognize that. And so if I do recognize that, maybe that's an area to explore more. Maybe there are some skills that I could begin refining based on that that assessment. It really is an exploratory phase at this point. And then once you once you have that, you then can begin to start matching up or thinking of capacity and then skill. So what are some talents or capacities or things that energize you? If you have those listed, begin to think of matching them up with particular skills that actually can translate. Gene Keys just keeps coming up over and over again. I think it's a sign <laughs> from the universe that I, I need to get it. Gene Keys is wonderful. It, uh, it has this holistic approach to it. So it, it, you have the I Ching in there, you have numerology in there, you have the zodiac in there, astrology. It really just puts a lot of the, these these different systems together in this one package for you to explore. Mm. Okay, something else I want to dive into with you, Trent, is your name on Instagram is Mr. Caliber. And then you're also the creator. I'm looking at your Instagram bio right now. If you guys want to follow along, it's Mr. Caliber. 
You're also the creator of crownofmind.com, the divine masculine, master lean, and nobleletters.com. That's a lot of things. And you have a full-time job. Can you <laughs> talk to me a little bit about how you balance all of that and how you stay connected to the common thread of your work? Sure. Well, well, I use, in, a pra- in the practical sense, I use Wix. And so Wix enables me to create a ton of sites in that one, one account so I can toggle in between. In the beginning, it, do- it did take time to, to invest in creating the, the aesthetic and the focuses for each of these. But yes, I was, I was creating this while, while working full time. And you know, I've been continuously working throughout my, my life while building these, these things up. And the way that I can describe this is if we have, so we have the, the, the 24 hours in a day, right? And so the, the main difference is how to use the time in the 24 hours. When I was really arriving into to my waking up period at about, about 16 or 17, I began to distance from friends that, that I had and they weren't bad people. It was just my my interests and priorities started changing. So while they wanted to hang out and just you know lounge around, I wanted to continue studying myself. I wanted to continue looking into science and um, psychology, things like this. Uh, and so I found that I began to give more and more attention to these areas and less attention to things that weren't really bringing me a return. So much so that that became like the dominating feature of of my life, and I, I would have no problem turning down, you know, going going out somewhere to to say I'm going to uh, take on a, a book and and work on a concept. And so I think cultivating that over the long term has enabled me to stay disciplined on using my energy in ways that are going to bring a return. And so, um, to me, that how do you identify with that? How do you identify the projects that? will bring a return is that in an energetic sense or a more calculated approach yeah i like i like this question it feels more intuitive and listening to the body and listening to my myself you know listening to my spirit as to what is feeding me and i would gravitate towards those things that that would that feed me so i know that certain knowledge feeds me so i'm going to continue doing it i'm not going to stop doing it knowing that it's going to strengthen me or knowing that it's going to provide me with an insight. Yeah, I think it's more of an intuitive experience and really just getting better at listening to to the body. I had this one test, right? I used to have these experiments in high school where I would I would just test myself out. So one one test was I was supposed to go home to 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 do a project, right? This is this actually was class related. And so I was deliberately not gonna go home and ignore it ignore this intuitive sense i was supposed to go home this was like the perfect time to do it and my stomach started hurting i started feeling these this pain almost as if you know you had nervousness going on stage and i was feeling this pinch and i kept feeling it and the longer that i ignored going home the longer this this feelings uh and you know stayed and it started intensifying and then when i decided to go home it it went away and then Going home, I saw that there was an accident near the house, and I'd arrived home in time to not be around where that accident took place. And so I think, you know, there's maybe not a direct relationship, but maybe a correlation that something in me, there's a knowledge in me that understood I needed to take a certain action. And by ignoring it, my body was trying to signal to me, you know, to move in a certain direction. Now, I'm much better at being able to sense, you know, when and where and like how to how to move. And I think this is like this has contributed to you know choosing the spaces where I think I think needs are. The master learn um that's the consulting and so those focus on emotional intelligence and writing and uh, career development. So these are really three areas that I see in the long-term trend as being gaps that will need to be filled as we move into you know spaces with more more tech companies and and society at large is really calling for more EQ based you know ways of thinking creative thinking managing emotions so yeah I think it's more more intuitive and how do you I remember once we had this very interesting conversation about writing and I can't recall exactly what it was but I think it had to do exactly with that with emotional intelligence and writing and the spirit of writing. Can you tell me a little more of what your 
approach and relationship with writing is and how you see that it is undervalued in the world of creative entrepreneurship. Yes, I think it's that devaluation has occurred because of the access to information. You know, in, in a lot of cases, information com- comes in the form of, of words. And so the more access that we have generally to use them, we can get lost you know, and use them without uh, attention. I also think that there's, a, there's more of a trend towards video and you know, other ways of expressing media to the detriment rather than supplement to, to writing. But writing really is, it's one of the first arts you know, as, as human beings that, that we have designed to communicate from mind to mind. And if we think about this, it's really fascinating, right? I, I can go into a shop and I can pick up a book, right, and read the thoughts of someone who lived in the 1900s. And by reading those words, I have incorporated or absorbed that individual's mind into my consciousness. It's, it's like telepathy, you know? <laughs> it, it, it's telepathy without you know, the, the fantastic way that we see it on television going from mind to mind, but it really is a form of telepathy because without some form of communication like that, we, you wouldn't know what, what I'm talking about. We wouldn't be able to have a connection. And so writing that visual, seeing the words and, and the words also in a certain form, that also makes a difference. Seeing one sentence in one way and then seeing the same, sen- the, the same meaning in a different sentence can convey two different light codes. And, and those codes impact the reader in different ways. So I find writing to be one of the most uh, powerful mediums. I think that because we, we each have individual stories, we all have books in us because the, the book is outwardly an expression of us. I'm working with a, a client now to produce a book. And initially the first hurdle was, is the book valuable? And so my question was, because she has another product that she, she sells, my question was, so is, is this product valuable? She says, yes, it's valuable. And I say, how do you know? Well, people are buying it. And so I say, well, who made that product? She said she made the product. The product is an extension of her. So I said, okay, if you write this book, why, what would make this book less viable than that product? Because that also is you. You are creating the book. The book is an extension of you. So now when someone reads that book, they are reading you. So it's, it's, I find writing to be just a very powerful mechanism for transmitting light, as in light and information, but also condensing something that we have learned in, in a form that people can, can read and absorb into themselves. And that, that also gets into my emphasis on writing more. And I noticed this about my own penmanship couple of years ago, my penmanship was deteriorating because of focusing a lot on writing on the computer. So I use a combination of both and I can actually uh, share some practices that may be helpful as we close. I would love that. I was writing a lot on the computer. And then when I would pick up, because I always keep a journal with me, I would start writing with a journal and my handwriting just was getting messier and messier and messier. And I was noticing there's this, the leaning towards the digital texting and writing seems to start diminishing physical writing, you know, and it's also less emphasized in schools, educational institutions. My uh, best practice, I recommend, you know, just having some time to write. It doesn't have to be anything specific, but just get into the habit again of using the hand to put down letters on a page. There's a totally different learning experience with that going from the mind to the, to the hand and how our subconscious is in process when we are writing in this way because we're, we're thinking and we're connecting that with the hand and the, the image. So yes, please do not lose that, that capacity. Please continue writing by hand. And if you're not someone who has that intention to write, I think how you can still practice this exercise and kill two birds with one stone is just have a journal, pick something that feels special, and every night before you go to bed, write one thing that you're grateful for. I find that for me, all it takes is just to have some form of set up space and ritual to get that pen and paper in hand, and then the rest just flows. Mm-hmm. Pressure off of the what the actual goal is, and really just getting into that that experience of, of writing again. Right. So my last question to you, Trent, or maybe second to last, we'll see, is out of 
all those projects that you're working on, which one's making you feel the most woke? Uh, the most woke, I would say, is the, the Divine Masculine. And I know we haven't had uh, time really to to go into that, but it's really calling for a different approach to to understanding the energy. It's energizing me because I'm approaching it from a metaphysical perspective, understanding the the energy in its raw essence before then moving it into how it shows up in in men. And so that that project is very focused and I'm engaging with the audience and social media. I've had a few uh, contacts and phone calls set up with uh, men who have responded through the the DMs on that. And there's a, a product that I'm working on in combination with this. So I, I uh, cannot say it yet, right. um, but there's going to be a pamphlet that comes with the product, I can say that, and that will be done the weekend of the 19th. But um, I'm very excited to venture into this space. It's one that I have been thinking about for some time, but then also the, my interface with the environment and the, the women in my life, I find that you know, I'm, I'm in a position where I can, I can present this to the world. Mm, okay, I'm intrigued. <laughs> By the time this podcast comes out, probably this work will be out. So where should people connect with you and look out for all the things that you've mentioned? Yep. The main site that I will share is my portfolio is imiamtrentroads.com. And from there, you can access the various channels that have been created. I'm also on Instagram, of course, uh, Mr. Caliber and Mr. Dot Caliber. E- my email is tr at imtrentroads.com. So always enjoy the phone calls and learning about others' journeys. Thank you so much, Trent. Can I ask you one extra question? Sure, shoot. Tell me about your relationship with cacao. My relationship with cacao is a wonderful one. I have had I've had a cacao ceremonially for about two and a half years now. Prior to that, I was eating cacao without ceremony um, in a shake. And uh, I would order it from, please, it used to be nutsonline.com. I think it's nuts.com now. <laughs> I, would, I would order the cacao from there. And, and it's interesting. I actually don't even remember how I even arrived at cacao. But I, I just ordered it. And uh, it became a part of my, you know, my daily nutrition at that time. And then I experienced a ceremony at the Alchemist Kitchen with a facilitator named Sarah. And from there, I was, I was very much connected to how ceremony brought so many people together. And that we can share this this nutrient, but then also this it was this to me this this being which took form for me in in the imagination. And from that time, I had fatigue. Actually, I had what I would call a an energetic fatigue for about seven or eight days. And I was trying to examine what was going on because I never feel like that. And I was still going to the alchemist kitchen. I would sit there and, and drink tea, but I was still under this fatigue trying to figure out what was going on. So I had a conversation with one of the herbalists there. And through that conversation, she mentioned something about exercise, you know, spiritual exercise. And so to me, that that rang true because there was a lot of visualization. There was a lot of energetic work being done. And to me, it turns out that that was a, a cleansing or a detoxification process. And I, at the same time, I also experienced cacao as a figure in my mind. You know, I can actually visualize cacao in a female form and then i was able to actually have conversations with with this form and this form would share information with me and she would challenge me and so from from there i would go i would have these ceremonies monthly and then not too long ago at joining the assemblage i learned of the cacao ceremonies there with miss florencia and so you know it's another space where you know i can come together with people who I know and both don't know. We all have familiar, you know, energy and and understanding. You know, be at peace and at oneness with both cacao and the the group. So I, I love attending the ceremonies and really that work. I think without that consistent work over these years, you know, I would be in a different space. But totally, I think cacao has had a huge impact on my growth, like just the, the amplification of everything, how fast things are speeding up and 
you know, how relatable the, the astral world feels. And cacao has done a lot for me in that area. And it also tastes delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I'm actually on cacao right now. I just had a mini ceremony right before. Really? <laughs> I don't think my boyfriend finished his cup. So when we're done, I'm going to go and finish his. I love the way you described it. I'm on the same page. I feel like cacao has accelerated everything that's already happening. And if you guys are interested to learn a little more about this world that we're talking about, this world of deliciousness and awakening, then check out episode 14 with Florencia Friedman, who is the woman that facilitates those weekly ceremonies that brought Trent and I together into this space right now. So as we're wrapping up, my last question to you, Trent, is, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you would like to share? Good question. I would say that our life paths are a journey. And despite how, how they may feel in the current moment, it's important for us to always reflect internally because the answers are there. And if we, if we give ourselves the time, the opportunity to go inward, we will see that there's, there's so much more there than like a, you know, any, any outward like specialist, you know, or, or formula can, can provide externally because our, our journeys are unique. And so our solutions, you know, will, will be unique. And those, those would come from, from inside. So a lot more trusting of self go on that adventure to to explore inward and then the more that we do that the easier navigating the the external world becomes you know and it's like cross it's cross functional so that one skill is applicable to personal life and romantic life and financial life career life those are all just different facets of this one expression here okay we're going to explore you got my interest here with financial life and romantic life. So we're going to have to do another episode when that <laughs> time is right. But sure. I love that we're ending on the note of really taking it all in, being inspired by ultimately trusting yourself and getting to know yourself. Thank you so much, Trent, for this fantastic conversation. And thank you guys for listening. If you're moved and inspired by any part of this, please take a moment to leave a rating and review to the podcast and take a screenshot and post that on Instagram stories and share it with at Woke and Wired and with at Mr.Caliber so that Trent and I can both see it and connect with you and engage with you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends. Leave a review and find all the show notes on wokeandwired.com and connect with me on Instagram at wokeandwired. Stay woke, stay wired, and have an incredible day.